everybody, and welcome to the 4,632nd podcast of Upon Further Review. I've been coached up by Brad Sham, who said it sounded like a funeral parlor last week. I'm Kevin Sherrington. I'm Barry Horn. And with us today, we have one of the great NFL writers in this nation, in this nation of football, Gary Myers. He used to cover the Cowboys for the Dallas Morning News at one time, and uh, is now gotten now knows everything there is to know about Tom Brady. Isn't that right, Gary? That's right. And um, uh, if everybody else wants to know something about Tom Brady, they can read my book, Brady versus Manning, which I'm sure you were about to mention. I win. The, I win the bet. I win the bet. I bet that you would plug your book in the first ten seconds. We'll get to that. But you know, why does anybody want to read a book about Tom Brady and Eli Manning anyway? Well, because Eli has beaten Tom in the Super Bowl twice, and you will read about that in the book. But, you know, Barry, as you know, the book is about Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, the older brother. Oh, okay. Well, let me ask you this before we talk about the book. Mm-hmm. Can the, give me a score for the Cowboys-Patriots game this week. It's coming up. You know, I tell you, when, when the schedule came out in the spring, this was one of the most highly anticipated regular season games because it was going to be Brady versus Romo. And then it was going to be Romo versus Garoppolo, and now it's going to be Brady versus Whedon. So um, it's gone from a pretty even game to a one-sided game for the Cowboys to a one-sided game for the Patriots. So I would say something along the lines of um, 35-17 for New England. I think that's pretty close because uh, I know you've been critical of, of the uh, Patriots this season and Brady and uh, Belichick. They like to run up the score and – no matter what the score is, Brady doesn't like to sit down. Is that correct? Well, it goes back to his days at, at Michigan where it took him so long, his fourth year in the, out of five years there, to even really get on the field. So he never wants to come off. He doesn't take anything for granted. He doesn't want Belichick to ever have, have any reason to think somebody else is better suited for the job than him. And they pretty much have the same attitude they had in 2007 following Spygate, you know, that was the Spygate revenge tour, and now we're on the the Flategate revenge tour, where uh, Belichick can't run it up uh, enough to suit himself, and and since Brady never wants to come out of the game, um, some of these games have been pretty ugly so far, and uh, I would suspect that uh, as long as Belichick can keep Brady healthy, and he's risking it by keeping him him in late in these games, because I think there's some defensive linemen we aren't going to be happy to see him in a, in a blowout with three minutes to go. Um, that as long as Brady can stay healthy, I think that you know the Patriots are going to um, uh, obviously win the AFC East. But I think they're going to they're going to not only try to win it, uh, but they're going to try to humiliate teams along the way. And um, I think they'd really get their point across doing it in such a high-profile game against the Cowboys. And based on what I saw Sunday night. Uh, in New Orleans, I don't. There's no way the Cowboys can keep up with them. Gary, since everyone pretty much assumes that the Cowboys are going to lose this game uh, to the Patriots, uh, if you felt like Matt Castle had um, the a grasp of the offense, a sufficient grasp of the offense at this point, would you start him instead of Brandon Whedon? Uh, Kevin, there's no question about that. Um, uh, Brandon Whedon couldn't make it in Cleveland. So I think that tells you all you need to know because they haven't had a quarterback there, you know, since Bernie Kosar uh, in the um, 
you know, in the heyday of, of the Browns in, in the mid '80s. So I don't, I don't, despite what everything that Jerry Jones is saying about Whedon's arm, uh, that's only part of the package, and obviously it's a, it's a really incomplete package. Now, you know, Castle does have a history. Now he, he's just a journeyman guy, but he does have a history of of when he's comfortable in the situation of stepping up for um, as a backup. He did that in New England in 2008 when the uh, Patriots lost Brady for the season in the first quarter of the first game to a torn ACL, and then Castle stepped in and they won 11 games. Now, they didn't make the playoffs, which is unusual in any season that you win 11 games, but they lost tiebreakers for the division title to Miami and then tiebreakers for the wild card. But... Uh, Castle hasn't played as well since then, even though he made the playoffs once in Kansas City. He's bounced from New England to Kansas City to Minnesota to Buffalo and now to Dallas. I, I would rather, if I'm the Cowboys, I'd much rather take my chances with Matt Castle, who has proven in the right situation that he can win the league, than sticking with Brandon Whedon, who has proven that he can't win. Of course, there's no Des Bryant here either. And, and and that that can't possibly help. Before the season began, when everything was still rosy for, here, down here in Dallas, how far did you think the Cowboys would, would were going this season? Well, Barry, I, I was concerned uh, for the Cowboys, uh, not that I worry about the Cowboys, but you know, for the for Cowboys nation, that Jerry Jones just completely uh, undervalued um, DeMarco Murray. I, I didn't really understand Dallas's uh, stance on on his contract negotiations. He rushed for over 1,800 yards last year, but just as important, uh, I thought in close games they were able to take the ball out of Tony Romo's hands and let Murray try to win some games for him. Because in the past, I think Romo had proven that he plays the worst when games are on the line. And having Murray, I think, really took a tremendous amount of pressure and focus off of Romo, and he had his best season. I just don't understand. I understand why they want the Des Bryant back. He's an explosive player. I know that run, running backs have become less important uh, in what has become a real passing league. But I thought that Murray was as responsible as anybody on that team for you know the Cowboys winning the division last year and then winning a playoff game and nearly winning uh, in Green Bay. And and now you're seeing you know the effects of it. So I, I thought that was a problem going in. And then, obviously, they lose Brian in the first game and Romo in the second, and, and all of a sudden, you know, all the triplets are gone. So, um, uh, Romo, without Romo, I, I just don't see how the Cowboys are going to maybe hang, hang on in the NFC East race. And I thought that, I thought they still had a good chance to win a division before Romo and Brian got hurt, even though I didn't think they were going to be as good as last year because so, they didn't have Murray anymore. So, what's happened to Murray in Philadelphia? Well, he's been banged up a little bit, and um, I don't know. You don't think 47 yards in the three games is good? <laughs> that's uh, what they're playing that that's, money that's, for. That's, that's Darren McFadden-like numbers. I know. I, I looked up the other day that um, I think after – now, Murray missed one game, so it's only three-game totals. But uh, his first three games in, with the Cowboys last year, he had close to 400 yards uh, as he was going through that incredible strength to start the season of 100 yards in each game. I, I, he hasn't been a fit in uh, in Chip Kelly's offense. Uh, Chip Kelly didn't think that LaShawn McCoy was a fit either. I'm not sure he wants any running backs in Philadelphia because he just wants to throw the ball all the time. But that's hard to do when Sam Bradford is a quarterback. I think that oh. 
I I, <laughs> I think that um, I think Mario, you know, will certainly get better as he gets healthier and, and Kelly figures out how to use him. He certainly couldn't be any less productive than he's been so far. And I think it was just a bad move both for the Cowboys and for Murray. I think the Cowboys should have offered him more. I think that Murray should have taken less. Because sometimes when guys get in situations that are just perfect for them, it's worth taking a little less money to know, you know, what you have and, and how the, and you're comfortable with the coaching staff and you, you know they're going to use you properly. You know, to go to Philadelphia – you know, I know he got a lot more money there than he would have gotten in Dallas, but you, and there's no, there's no, he could have made it up off the field in Dallas. And too. there's no state income tax in the state of Texas. Uh, That's right. So you said, you know, who you sound like now. You sound like our old sports editor, Dave Smith. So, oh, maybe it'd be better for you to take less money and be and be happy here. <laughs> well, I, I tell you what, um, there's something now. If if the difference is tremendous, then it doesn't make any sense. But if it's close enough. I always think guys are better off staying where they are if if they're comfortable in that situation and they're they're happy with the coaching staff and how they get treated. Because going to the unknown, I mean, Murray has become the perfect example of a guy who went from an absolutely perfect situation where he was um, used properly to now having no idea what Chip Kelly has in mind and having a couple other running backs there in, in Ryan Matthews and Darren Sproles who were seem to be getting as many carries as Murray, as Murray does. And um, I, I, it's going to be really interesting if he doesn't pick it up to see what happens at the end of the season with him in Philly. Well, I think with the, the, what we had here is a situation where there was a huge difference between what Philadelphia was offering and what the Cowboys were offering. And the Cowboys, you know, their, their take on it now is that, well, uh, you, you know, we wouldn't have Greg Hardy if we still had uh, – you know, DeMarco Murray, that we use some of the money we save for some signings like that. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, you would have to say a big deal, wouldn't you? <laughs> All right, now, Gary, let's get let's get to why you're here. Uh, your book, Brady versus Manning. Uh, we have not seen, we have not read the book yet. We have to say that because uh, Barry just got it yesterday. So, uh, and Barry's not speed reading these days. So, uh, we have to ask the question. Do you answer the question in here? Who's the better quarterback, Brady or Manning? I do. And actually, some people are upset that I took a stand on it, um, and they think that influenced um, how I approached the book, which it had absolutely nothing to do with it. I just felt that in writing 82,000 words on the subject that I owed it to the readers to at least come to my own conclusion, although I give plenty of other people in the book the opportunity to express who they feel is better. I look at it this way, Kevin. I think that Peyton Manning is the greatest regular season player, not just quarterback, but I think he's the greatest regular season player in NFL history, even better than Jerry Rice. But I think that Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback in NFL history because when we include January and the first Sunday of February, he clearly distances himself uh, from Peyton Manning and every other quarterback. Uh, um, I'm a little confused. Who, who do you want to quarterback your team? I would have to say that the NFL is all about winning championships. And Brady's won four, and Manning's won one. Brady's played in six Super Bowls, and Manning's played in three. Peyton Manning has a, a record under 500 in the playoffs. He has nine uh, one-and-dones, which is the most of any quarterback in NFL history. So if if we go by quarterbacks and coaches are, are measured uh, and ranked uh, by their rings, and I believe that, you know, for the most part they are, 
then I would take Tom Brady because he has proven to be better in the big games. So, and, and I understand what you're saying, because that is always the age-old argument about quarterbacks is uh, how many championships they've, they've mm-hmm. won. So, but by that argument, that means that Peyton is not even the best quarterback in the Manning family. No, but I, I, th- I think that um, when you have two guys who have been relatively equal in their careers, you know, in the regular season, now Peyton, Peyton's numbers are better than Brady, uh, in the regular season, but it's not like Brady um, ha- hasn't done well. I mean, he just became the fourth quarterback to throw 400 touchdown passes. I, I don't th- in the Peyton Eli argument. Sure, you'd rather have Peyton. Eli's got one more ring, but you know you're not going to take Jim Plunkett over Peyton Manning either, right? Right. Uh, and you're not going to say that Brad Johnson and Trent Dilfer, because they each have one ring, are the equal of Peyton Manning. I'm just saying. When you have two guys who are relatively equal uh, from what they've done in the regular season, the tiebreaker becomes what have they done in the playoffs and the Super Bowl. And and in this case, the the numbers are so so much different. I mean, Brady's are so much better in the playoffs and the Super Bowl that 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 to me is a clear-cut tiebreaker. But um, if you were going to say, you know, who's had the better career, you know, Peyton or Eli, uh, I don't really think it's close, either, even though Eli has two championships, and to get those, he beat Brady twice in the Super Bowl. All right, we're sitting here in Dallas, Texas. I'll, I'll, you know what question I'm going to ask you next? Peyton mm-hmm. or Troy? Peyton or Troy? And Troy I, I, and Troy's I, I, a listener to the podcast, I might add. <laughs> wow. Isn't everybody. That, that's... <laughs> I mean, there, it's different eras, it's different eras, different styles, yeah. different teams, but... Come on, give us an answer. Wow. Uh, I mean, Troy's got three rings. It's not that much different than Brady having four, but he's, he played in three Super Bowls and Brady played in six. So I don't think the difference between um, Troy and Peyton is enough uh, in, the, in the postseason that uh, I would take. I mean, Peyton's numbers are, are so much better than Troy's in the regular season, and, and Troy played with tremendous skill position players. I think Peyton is a better player, but I will say this. I'd be very happy if Troy Aikman was my quarterback. I mean, how can you not be? He won three championships. But um, I would say I would say Peyton has been a better player than Troy was. Now, let me ask you this, because we're beating this horse to death, but uh, I'm always intrigued by the... the uh, You're not compar- asking me where Danny White ranks? <laughs> no, I'm not throwing... Oh, well, speaking of Danny D-W White, we can there. ask you where Gary Hogaboom ranks, too. You asked that question, did you not? Below Peyton and Eli. (laughs) (laughs) You were a big Gary Hogaboom proponent, as I recall. Yeah, that's right. Gary Myers famously polled the Cowboys' (laughs) locker room asking, who would you rather have at quarterback, Gary Hogaboom or Danny White? That was me. That's right. And the conclusion of uh, uh, the people you polled was? Well, it it, it actually asked them two questions. You know, who would they rather have and who did they think that Landry was going to pick? And it was overwhelmingly in favor that they'd rather have Hogaboom, but overwhelmingly in favor that they thought Landry would pick White. And um, they were wrong about that, although it didn't last very long. <laughs> Hogaboom couldn't hold on to the job for more than, I think it was like, you know, six or seven weeks. The Cowboys were really happy about you doing that story, weren't they, as I recall? Yes, they were, they were thrilled. They were really thrilled, <laughs> and they, they went on a really good negative PR campaign to try to discredit it, but... I mean, I had the numbers to back it up and the interviews to prove it, and 
but no, they were not happy with me on that no. one. Kevin. No, let me ask because so taking that that point about, about quarterbacks again because I'm I've always been intrigued by that because my belief is that a, a a quarterback some quarterbacks obviously are the best ones they lift their team. There's no question about that. Right. But sometimes there's more heavy lifting that has to be done. AKA Dan Marino in Miami, uh, mm-hmm. one of the best skill sets of any quarterback ever, and yet they, they simply couldn't win. They never had any running backs, never had any wide receivers. You know, they just couldn't win. Uh, well, I mean, they had Clayton and Duper, but they just didn't have a defense to back well, them up. True, but, but but Clayton and Duper were very nice here, but they're they're midgets. So, come on, let's just let's just they're face midgets. facts here, right? Yeah, but you know, when Kevin in that era, um, you, you know, you had the Smurfs in Washington. That's true. Clayton and Dupra. I mean, it, it, the game has changed. Now they, everybody wants a big physical receiver. But in those days, Clayton and Duper, you know, were as good as anybody. It's just that they never really had a running game to to help Marino. And and I, I, I know we're getting off the topic here a little bit, but um, that's what I, where I think that Don Shula, and I hate to say he was an overrated coach, but he was an overrated coach because he's had one of the best quarterbacks in history for a very long time and only got to one Super Bowl with him, and they got blown out. He never was able to build up a defense around him or give him a running attack that would take some of the pressure off of him. And, and you know, to to the detriment of Marino, in the way he's considered, the way history remembers him now, it's, he got to one Super Bowl in all those years, despite all the incredible numbers that he put up, and, and he lost that one by... By three touchdowns to Joe Montana. All so right. What was your question going to be? My, my question was going to be, I like that answer, but my question was going to be, so would it change your opinion any if I were to say to you not a quarterback for your NFL team, but a quarterback for your Sandlot team? If you were going to have the, the best quarterback you could get for your Sandlot team, would it still be um, Tom Brady? It would probably be Johnny Manziel because he draws it up in the dirt, you know. <laughs> wow! <laughs> yeah, that's I, a, thought, a I thought you. Gonna, I thought you were going to say Tony Romo. No, um, kindred spirits. <laughs> that's right. I, I mean, these guys are. You know, well, let me say this about Brady. Okay, as a freshman in high school in Northern California, he didn't get on the field for one snap at quarterback, despite the fact. That is, high school team finished 0 and 8, and did not score one offensive touchdown. He, he never Brady played. Couldn't, he couldn't get on the field as a freshman. Oh, freshman! And the only reason he played as a sophomore is because the quarterback who started in Brady's freshman year quit the team. So, you know, just when you go back to the Sandlot days, I'm not sure I would have picked Brady because he couldn't get on the field for a team that couldn't score a touchdown. <laughs> that, 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 that reminds me of the Michael Jordan story. How Michael Jordan got cut. Uh, for yeah. his college team as, as a, a f- high school team. High school team as a freshman, right? That's correct. That's right. So, Gary, uh, is there anything else you want to tell us about the book that we should know to try to pump this thing a little bit for you? Yeah, I, I think what I want to tell everybody is that you should go out and buy it. That's what they need to know. <laughs> to go out and buy it. Okay. Are, 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 no, I, I think, seriously, I think that um, I, I took a different approach with this book. It's not it's not an X's and O's book or, you know, what's made Peyton so great because, or what's made Brady so great. It's, it's more personality driven. And, um, I get a lot into the, the friendship that these two guys have had that a lot of people don't know about. Um, everybody knows about their rivalry. It's probably the best individual rivalry in NFL history because in, in the NFL, we don't really think of individual rivalries. We think of teams, you know, like the Cowboys and the, and the Steelers of the 70s or the Colts and the Patriots, you know, in the early 2000s. And what has made this rivalry so special 
is two of the greatest players in NFL history whose careers are pretty much run concurrently. When you look at Marino and Elway, they were in the league together for 16 years but only played each other three times. And two of those times were in Elway's final season. Uh, Brady and Manning have gone against each other 16 times already. It'll be 17 Thanksgiving weekend. They, the 16 includes Brady leads 11-5, which includes 2-2 in the playoffs. And, and Manning has won the last two meetings in the playoffs, both in the AFC Championship games, one for the Colts, one for the Colts, and one for the Broncos. So, um, I think what has really made this special is the fact that they've gone against each other so much, and um, and I think everybody, you know, for the last ten years or whatever, has circled on their NFL schedule. You know, when the Brady Manning game is, the NFL usually puts it, you know, uh, in the second half of the season because it, it really becomes the, the highlight game. You know, going down the stretch, it's always on national TV. Um, but again, like I said before, guys, the, the thing that people don't know about them is their 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 relationship goes way beyond saying hello to each other before the game or shaking hands after the game. They really are good friends. They text each other all the time. They play golf together in the off season all the time. Kevin, they said they're going to invite you next time, uh, as long as you don't take take up too many divots. <laughs> um, yeah, right. Um, their their fathers, uh, although the, the fathers have never met. They text each other every Monday during the season just to check up on how everybody's doing. Um, Brady and his low-profile wife, Giselle, have had dinner at their house with... with, um, You're supposed to laugh when I called his wife. We did. We we chuckled. It was a guffaw. Yeah. It was a guffaw. Okay. Um, When when Tom and Giselle had the house in in Brentwood, right outside of L.A., which they no longer have, they, they downsized from 18,500 square feet to 18,250 by building a house in, in near Boston. They're running out of money, aren't they? Yeah. You know, they, they had to take those 250 square feet off just to be able to pay the mortgage. <laughs> but um, anyhow, so in the summer of 2013, you know, Peyton was in, in California with his wife, and he texted Brady and said, hey, you guys in town? And, and, and Brady says, yeah. You know, why don't you and Ashley come over for dinner? So the four of them sat around for three, four hours and, and had dinner, which I'm fairly certain Giselle did not cook herself, um, and and just talked about everything. And if I had left my ta- had the opportunity to leave my tape recorder at the dinner table that night, I could have come up with at least another hundred pages in the book. But um, uh, you know, so again, their their relationship goes beyond just saying hi to each other. I think they feel. Each feels the other is the only one who can really relate to what their lives on and off the field are about because of the popularity they each have and the success. So although Peyton has Eli to talk X's and O's with and, and share, you know, strategy, which he won't do with Brady, he and Peyton and Brady, you know, talk about everything else. Um, and they were there for each other when when Brady missed the 08 season, almost the entire 08 season, when Peyton missed the entire 2011 season. Again, they you know they kept in constant communication and and with a support group for each other. So Gary, the clock. That, that's what I think it makes it really neat. The clock's running out. Time is okay. time is off the clock. We we've got to go. We'll tell Evan Grant that you missed him and that you would really have liked to have had him here, so he could have asked you some statistical questions that nobody would know what he was talking about. Thanks so <laughs> mu- thanks so much for for being with us and. Uh, Good luck, and maybe we'll see you at the Super Bowl when the Cowboys are playing the uh, a rematch of the, uh, the Jets. Perfect.
<laughs> Take care. Thanks, Gary. Bye-bye.